traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the Communications Projects Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is a couple of my co-workers, actually. My colleagues, Michael Correa and Michelle Rutter, are based in our Washington, D.C. office, where all the Capitol Hill lobbying magic work goes on. So thank you both for joining me today. Thanks, um, Bethany. Great yeah, thank you for having us. Awesome. I mean, I know you both have jumped in as special hosts for this show in the past over the last couple of years to really give our listeners that inside the beltway perspective on cannabis policy reform. So thanks for that. I'm sure our listeners appreciate trying to just get a sense of what it's like day to day talking to members of Congress about our issues. Yeah, and one, you bring up a good point. Michelle and I have been doing this for the past year and a half, year and a half or two years. And, you know, we've never really talked about ourselves. We've never been able to give background about ourselves. So listeners can sort of know, you know, what's our background and what are we doing? So this is a great opportunity. I appreciate it. Well, that leads me to my my next question. Perfect. So before we jump into all things cannabis policy, uh, let's tell our listeners more about who you are and what your backgrounds are and, you know, what your story for getting involved in the cannabis industry and movement is. Do you want to start, Michael? Yeah, sure. Um, one, thank you. Uh, I'm director of government relations, and this is my fifth year. I actually was uh, offered the job on Halloween five years ago, and so my anniversary is coming up. Looking forward to it. I remember the day when Aaron called me, uh, and I was just so overjoyed and happy and looking forward to the opportunity. And, you know, I had been looking for the next job, the next phase of my career. I wanted to take my almost 20 years of experience on Capitol Hill in politics and find the next challenge uh, that I could do and apply it to something and do a lot of different things. And I thought government relations would be the perfect 
position and when i saw this job offered i thought this has got to be the coolest job in america <laughs> uh it is the uh it's like the next great um uh issue uh social issue taking over america i couldn't have been happier being part of it and being able to you know working on capitol hill for about 15 years working in policy organizations to take my experience to take my background and to take my professionalism and to just have my little part on helping shape the industry in the future uh, i couldn't have been happier i'm so glad i made the jump uh, it's been amazing being part of this and just being able to see this industry change when i started it was, I think, four staffers, and our membership was about 400. Now we're at about 20 staffers with 1,700 members, and it's been amazing seeing that growth. I totally agree, and it's great to have you as well, Michael. You're originally from California, is that right? Yeah, I grew up in Southern California. I hate to say uh, the Southern California uh, slacker, surfer stereotype. <laughs> it played out perfectly, and I just realized uh, that I was never going to get the respect in professional life if I carried on that and was sort of, you know, cut my hair, grow the hair, sh or have the short hair, be professional, dress up in the suit. And people see me now and don't think of what my personality was like or what I was like as a youth and how I do have like a little crazy bend. I'm not this uh, straight, straight edge, you know, straight guy. And, um, <laughs> It's just been one of those things to where it's like a, almost a contradiction. I enjoy it, um, and it is my 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 life now is completely different than my life in the teenage years. Fair enough. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> well, you got a little taller. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, if you knew me as a high schooler, I was six foot four in high school, so I haven't really <laughs> actually grown. Just grown out. Just grown out. Just uh, grown out. <laughs> Just anybody, if you're not sure if it's Michael Correa, if you have to look up to see him, it could be him. So, <laughs> um, awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Michael. Um, Michelle, you also joined the, you joined the team about four years ago, I believe. So about within the year after Michael got settled in D.C., that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so tell us more about you. Sure. So uh, I originally grew up in Virginia, not too far here from D.C., about an hour and a half away, very rural area. Uh, I went to college at James Madison University, go Dukes. Um, and it was really there that I found that I had a really um, significant interest in cannabis policy. I was a political science major. Um, and one day I was actually told, you know, you can pick your topic. And when I was looking, what do I write about? You know, I'm looking for like the easiest thing to write about, obviously. And I came across cannabis and I was like, whoa, this is so easy to write about because the policy makes no sense. Um, I was in college. I think I had maybe tried marijuana once or twice. Um, definitely didn't live up to all the scary hype that I had necessarily heard growing up. And so um, really just became interested in a policy level. I graduated college in 2012. So this was in a time before Colorado and Washington um, legalized adult use. So it was definitely a different time. Um, so that was sort of how I got interested. I then went and got a, a regular government affairs job after uh, graduating out in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, which is just outside of D.C. And it was there, actually, that I met Mike. Um, just by chance, one day, he was coming in for my company to pitch him that I was at at the time. And they said, this marijuana guy is coming in. And I'm like, marijuana guy? Let me sit in on that. And so... <laughs> 
lo and behold, it was Mike. Um, at the time, his wife was, I think, like nine months pregnant. And he was a one-man show with no office here in D.C., very different than now. And all I heard was, like, man, this guy needs to hire somebody. And so <laughs> um, to make a long story short, I, I reached out to Mike. And after many, many months, we called the world's longest job interview. It was about six months long. Um, a position opened up, and I was I was lucky enough to get it. And that was actually, um, it's like four years ago, never received. And it's it's very different, uh, exciting. Uh, exciting. Um, and I think all of us, all of us you know, are you having unique experience forever. Yeah, and it's been wonderful, like Michelle mentioned, how she, the office grow into high school and then sort of be, took a wilder side in college, and I was the exact opposite where I was the Don't wild tell my kid. parents that. <laughs> wild kid in high school and then became uh, serious in college, but uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's just been, it's been a joy. We make a great team. Uh, just a wonderful relationship. Oh, well, we're all glad of you, and we're we're all so proud of our awesome DC office and all the work that you do that all of our members rely on as well. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing those stories, and uh, we'll we'll wait till we get back from the commercial break to talk more specifically about cannabis policy. But as far as uh, the episodes that you two have hosted here for NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice podcast before. You've really interviewed some really cool people. Um, Representative Jared Polis from Colorado, who is now uh, running for governor of Colorado, is really exciting. Um, and, and to name a few more, um, I believe you you spoke with some folks from LEAP, which used to be called Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and now it's called... Oh, law, enforce, law Enforcement Action Partnership, I want to say. That's it. That's yes. it. Uh, who are some of the other people that you've had on the show? Well, we had um, Cong our very first one, uh, because everything cannabis on Capitol Hill is Earl Blumenauer, and that was our very first interview. And he's been a champion, I mean, since before all of us were born. Well, all of you were born, not since <laughs> all of me was born. But uh, And then Michelle can talk about some of the others, but we've tried to – get a policy perspective um, to where uh, our, our listeners and our members can understand what it's like to get to know these politicians a little better. So we've tried to have a policy-oriented perspective of some of the mm -hmm. policymakers, and she can mention some of the others we've talked about. Yeah, so we've also spoken um, with uh, Shanita Penny, who uh, used to, or heads up the Minority Cannabis Business Association, as well as Linda Green, who sits on their board. Um, and we've talked to them about the importance of diversity and inclusion in the industry and, and about policy and how we can best shape uh, that policy moving forward. Uh, we've also talked with um, veterans groups before and talked about veterans cannabis policy and the importance of making sure that, that our veterans have access to, to medicine that's not not as addictive or deadly as opioids. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've also talked to um, DC council member, David Grosso. Um, he's been a huge supporter of the industry um, before uh, cannabis was legalized here in DC in 2014 and still to this day. Um, and we've also even talked to some folks up in um, Canada. Uh, I think that was maybe last year where we just, uh, right after they had made the decision to legalize, but obviously prior to any implementation we're, we're recording this in early October um, mm -hmm. which was really really wonderful to get to, to hear some international perspective and, and sort of you know how that ties into to U.S. cannabis policy so those are just a couple of the guests that we've had on in the past. That's awesome that's great yeah and uh, as the reception in D.C. becomes more friendly toward cannabis hopefully 
hopefully more members of Congress will be uh, willing and excited to come come record more episodes with us for our for our audience and listeners. Hey, you bring up a good point, Bethany, because in my five years, when I first started, uh, you would have politicians that couldn't get away from me fast enough. They didn't want to be seen with us. They didn't <laughs> want cannabis money. They didn't want, you know, cannabis endorsements or anything. You had Earl Blumenauer and Jared Polis and a couple of the champions. Now my phone rings off the hook with politicians that want to be seen with us, want our endorsement, want our money, and I, I, and who are now more comfortable being on cannabis radio and who are more comfortable being interviewed by in having a cannabis perspective and taking the cannabis position and so you're absolutely right i do think a lot more people uh, that brings up a good point uh michelle we got to get on the phone and call a couple members i think they'd be more than happy to, <laughs> to do a do a interview with us right before the election oh i like it i like it awesome well i'm, I'm glad we're the cool kids in congress now <laughs> definitely All right, well, we're going to take a commercial break and then come right back and talk more with Michael and Michelle from NCIA's DC team. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we are ready to dive right back in with Michael Correa and Michelle Rudder, our government relations team for NCIA in D.C. All right, so Michelle, you've been contributing content that our our newsletter subscribers and website readers uh, can read uh, in an effort to educate and update them about 
the federal appropriations process, for example. We've we've you've got a couple blogs up recently in the last month or two, and this is the process by which the government pays itself or funds itself every year to function, or at least tries to. Um, sometimes with <laughs> tries, tries. <laughs> Just leave it at tries. <laughs> they, they try to fund themselves, and it's it's a really complicated process. And I think most people are kind of overwhelmed and intimidated by that complicated process by which our government functions. But I think you have a really lovely, eloquent way of breaking it down for people. Uh, so maybe for our listeners, real quick here, can you talk about what is the federal appropriations process and its importance and the role it plays in moving the dial for cannabis reform? Yeah, so thank you for those kind words, Bethany. Uh, I definitely try to break down some of the policy and government processes we have here. It can be difficult sometimes. Um, appropriations is is kind of one of those. And so it is really important for members um, or people interested in the industry to understand, though, because it is one of the only ways that we've actually been able to make um, some changes and, and change some laws, even if only for a little bit at a time. So like Bethany mentioned, um, appropriations bills, are legislation in Congress that sets aside federal funds to be divided in between different government agencies and departments and programs. And so um, they're actually part of the Constitution they, um, that Congress can appropriate its funds. So it is um, right there, you know, hundreds of years old. So it's clearly very important. Um, and so what happens is appropriations funds the government, like you said. And so um, it funds the government for a fiscal year, which is from October 1st to September 30th of the next year. And so um, that means that if Congress hasn't passed a new appropriations bill or passed something that's called a continuing resolution or a CR for short, um, if they don't pass one of those by September 30th, that's when the government shuts down. So a lot of people have seen in recent years, there's been a couple government shutdowns. I think the most recent one was in February. And that's because Congress essentially can't get it together enough to pass appropriations bills um, uh, for, for the next fiscal year. And so they've been doing a lot of continuing resolutions, a lot of CRs, which you can think about as a copy and paste sort of of what's already been in law. Um, but the reason appropriations is really important to cannabis is it, like I said, is one of the only ways that we've been able to change law. Um, back in 2014 was the first year that we were successful in including pro-cannabis uh, language into an appropriations bill. Um, many of you have heard of that. That language was then known as the Rohrabacher Farr Amendment. Um, and again, in 2014, that was added and passed as part of the Commerce, Justice, and Science Appropriations bill. And so that's been in place ever since. And what that amendment does is it protects medical cannabis businesses and patients in states where it's legal and basically says that the federal government can't use its funds to block an impl uh, state's implementation of its medical cannabis policies. Mm -hmm. And so um, that has been in law since 2014, but it hasn't come without a fight. Um, last year, we were really, really close to possibly not getting it included and it was a really difficult fight the appropriations process I think they did about five CRs within the year mm -hmm. um, and the thing with appropriations is that it has to be done annually right like I said this has to be done every fiscal year so every single year we have to go back and make sure that this language is included 
Um, we've also started to work towards expanding that language. Um, we obviously want to protect not only medical cannabis businesses, um, but we also want to protect adult use cannabis businesses. That that number of states that has adult use cannabis has grown, um, you know, from zero, well, not zero, but from just a couple in 2014 to now, you know, nine or 10, depending on how you want to count. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really important that we keep the pressure on Congress, um, that we, you know, continue to try to expand these protections and also include things like protections for veterans or protections for financial institutions that decide to uh, to work with cannabis-related businesses. And so, like I said, appropriations is really one of the only ways we've been able to do that. Congress is just so partisan and so jammed up um, that getting legislation passed right now really isn't an option. And so this mm-hmm. is pretty much one of the only vehicles that does move through Congress, hopefully, right? We hope we don't have government shutdowns. Um, so that's why we've, we've decided to continue trying to tack on pro-cannabis uh, language this way. So if you live in a state that has um, a member on the House or Senate Appropriations committee, um, you guys should definitely keep the pressure on them and, and make sure that they know that this is an issue that you're concerned about. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for breaking that down. Um, and, and as you mentioned, there's the idea of standalone yeah, legislation, legislation that's, that's not, not connected, connected to, to um, these continuing, continuing funding of the government. The government. Uh, uh, so the standalone legislation, legislation is something that's introduced by a member of Congress or a senator, and then NCIA, we, you, us, lobby Congress to gain additional co-sponsors for that bill. And then, according to my understanding, it reaches a critical mass of co-sponsors. And then theoretically, we get a vote on that standalone legislation. I think I'm close here, but can you can you explain how the hell a bill moves on Capitol Hill? Yeah, so one, uh, basically, to not get too inside the Beltway terminology, there's appropriations like uh, Michelle mentioned that is funding. Then there's a legislation that changes the law, that changes the law permanently. And if Congress passes a bill that changes the law, those are the rules that we live under going forward until they change the laws again. And so instead of having to come back every single year to change federal law, our goal is to have legislation that addresses some of our issues that is a permanent fix that we don't have to come back every 12 months and deal with. And so for cannabis industry businesses, our big issue is addressing the banking issue, so the Safe Banking Act, and then the 280E tax issue. And so you're absolutely right. Uh, a member, uh, one of our friends on Capitol Hill and advocates will introduce a bill. And there is one thing, it the co-sponsors are important to build a narrative of support, but it's not needed to move a bill. What's important to move a bill is it's basically the committees of jurisdiction and the chairman. And the House of Representatives is very uh, majority dominated. And so if the majority party wants something, i.e. the Republican leadership of the House, they really want something, they're gonna move it. They're gonna move it through a committee, they're gonna have a hearing, they're gonna mark it up, they're gonna get it to the House floor and they're gonna vote on it. It's pretty simple, it's just a simple majority. What the issue that we in the cannabis industry have is that Democrats support us, Republicans are still sort of uh, ambivalent about this issue. And so there's no pressure on Republican chairmen uh, and Republican leadership to move these bills. And Republicans don't want to be seen moving, quote unquote, Democratic bills. Jeez. And so all, all what we are left to do 
is basically build co-sponsors. And so the Safe Banking Act has almost 100 co-sponsors, which is amazing. That's almost a quarter of Congress is supportive of something. And for a person who's worked on Capitol Hill for as many years as I have, having 100 co-sponsors is very rare. That means you have a tremendous amount of support, Republican and Democrat. And so what, I hate to say it, but until the uh, majority changes and we get new chairmen, um, in Congress, it's going to be near impossible to move bills because these chairmen don't want to move it, and the Republican leadership is not calling them to say, move this bill. There's no, you know, Speaker Ryan's not getting on the phone saying, give me a cannabis bill. That's just not happening. And if the Democrats were to take over, that narrative would change, and there may be a process to where we could see some movement. So we're building, we're building the support. We have tons of advocates on Capitol Hill, but through this parliamentary legislative issue is we're not able to grease the wheels and move a bill through and it's just it's just a shame because there's an overwhelming support for cannabis legislation on capitol hill we're just not able to show it mm, yep yep totally get it it's uh it's not a perfect system it's just the one we have to work within um so in our last few seconds here uh let's just do a quick review of the important pieces of legislation for cannabis reform that's on our plate right now um the Safe Banking Act you already mentioned. Yeah, so we have the Safe Banking Act, which there's House and Senate versions. We have the Small Business Tax Equity Act, which deals with 280E. Um, that's H.R. 1810 and S. 777. So those are also uh, bicameral. Um, and then we have some bills we focus on. There's a handful that deal with states' rights, um, like H.R. 975 or H.R. 6043, which is uh, the States Act, which stands for the Strengthening the Tenth Amendment through Entrusting States. You may have heard um, Senator Gardner or maybe even President Trump talk about that. Um, and then we also focus our issues on other um, bills that would tax and regulate cannabis, um, things like the Marijuana Freedom and Opportunity Act, but then also bills um, like H.R. 4815 slash S1689, which is like the Marijuana Justice Act. Mm -hmm. um, which actually really seeks to uh, ensure that people involved in the industry, that it's diverse, that it's inclusive, and that it's not continuing um, to harm the communities that have been most impacted and impacted negatively by the war, uh, war on drugs. And so if you're interested in seeing some of that legislation um, or reviewing it and checking it out, you can go to our website. Um, there's a tab about priority legislation, and you can check it out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Michelle, Michelle brings up a good point. When I first started, there you could count all the cannabis bills on one hand, and there were no cannabis bills in the Senate side. Mm -hmm. And now, I, you know, we it's very hard keeping up with the cannabis bills that are being introduced in the House and the Senate. Everyone touches on just a different topic, or it has a little different perspective, or it has a different member that wants to be known as a cannabis reformer introducing it. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we we've always had our main bills that help the industry. But, you know, there are other bills out there helping vets, uh, social justice, other research, other aspects. There's a million of them. And, you know, uh, when it comes to NCIA, we're supporting of all of them. Uh, our priorities are banking and tax, but we're supportive of anything and any issue, any cannabis uh, legislation that gets traction. We're going to be supporting our brothers in arms on that. Excellent, excellent. Yes, we did have a, a flurry this last year, I believe. <laughs> All right, we're going to take one more commercial break and then come back and chat more with Michael and Michelle from NCIA's DC team. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. 
now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Retail sales of medical and recreational cannabis in the United States are expected to hit 8 to $10 billion. Are you ready to invest in the fastest growing business sector in America? Then you have to check out the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. Open to the public. This two-day conference will focus a wide range of sectors, including healthcare, law, politics, sports, and numerous investment opportunities for entrepreneurs and startups. Hundreds of exhibitors will showcase their products and services to medical patients, caregivers, mainstream consumers, and business-to-business professionals. Join us as we merge business, education, and entertainment with thousands of attendees at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. For more information, go to usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back, and we are wrapping up our chat with Michael and Michelle from our DC team. And uh, I think we we went over a bunch of legislation and, and how you all are doing your work, uh, but I'd like to talk about what our listeners whether they're a cannabis business owner or a patient advocate, what they themselves can do to help what you're doing, to help push this cannabis reform along. Yeah, um, thank you for that question. And I mention this all the time whenever I'm out and speaking. The first thing you can do is join NCIA because that gives us the resources to help do what we're doing uh, and it helps your business. The second thing is, you know, my approach is I'm trying to tell members of Congress, here is the cannabis industry, be friendly with them, develop those relationships, and at the same time, I want uh, the general public and our members to understand the political process, what it takes to be successful in advocacy, what it takes to be successful in lobbying in Washington, Mm D.C., and part of that is being known. You know, it's really hard because you have cannabis operators that were maybe bootleggers who were hiding. They tried to hide from the law who are now sort of forced to be public. And I'm trying to tell these people, you need to be friendly with these city council members and state legislators and members of Congress and senators and governors. I want them to know who you are and be politically active and make donations and participate 
and you know uh, get that message out to their friends and so that builds because these members of Congress are going to be more willing to help people that they know and uh, issues that are safe and that are winnable and it's just we are building a narrative that this is a issue that's not going to go away politicians can run on this politicians can win on this and they can be comfortable and it's just it's being active and being professional being the best operators you can be and just being active with what we're doing at ncia and just the issue in general yeah and and to add to that mike makes some excellent points um I would also add to that, you know, we're recording this um, in early October here. Um, all the members of the House of Representatives are home. Um, the senators will be home at a certain point after some of this craziness in D.C. dies down. But this is a really, really critical time that you can actually be involved and have your voice heard. Uh, it's campaign season. All of these members want your vote um, prior to November 6th. Um, so you know, be active at home because that's where they listen, right? Like here in Washington, D.C., like they know the deal. Um, we're not their constituents, right? We're lobbyists. And and the constituent clout actually has a lot more weight. And so mm. if your members are at home, um, make a me and, and even if they're not at home, you can make a meeting with their district office, right? So you can look up which of their offices is closest to you back home. Just call them up and say, hey, I want to come in and meet with somebody to talk about cannabis policy. You know, what's your schedule like Thursday? that mm -hmm. easy um, you can attend town halls um, really 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 great tool you can go and actually try to get a question asked or ask a question yourself about cannabis policy and get your member on the record and make sure that they are you know held accountable for the way that they have voted or things that they've maybe said in the past but also while well, being very polite and nice right we always want our member to be polite to members even though uh, they may not always um, their policy positions may not always line up with all of our own Mm -hmm. um, and the most important thing that people can do is vote, 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 vote. Um, we are in a situation that we're in right now because there are a lot of members who are still in Congress who will never, frankly, will never change their mind on this. Like there is a handful, some people you can move the dial, but some are just not going to come around, whether it's a, you know, just a stigma thing, whether it's a demographic or age thing. Um, but the only way to get those people out is to vote them out and put mm -hmm. people in power who are going to support our agenda of reforming our outdated cannabis policies. So um, I would encourage everybody to vote. Again, it's early October right now. Voting deadlines are coming. Um, you can go to websites like votesaveamerica.com um, where you can register to vote, find out when the deadline deadlines are, see a sample ballot. Um, but the most important thing you can do is really vote and put people in office and in power who are actually going to support our agenda. And there's one thing I wanted to piggyback on that about things you can do to help. I do know one thing you shouldn't be doing, and I know I'm going to catch some grief from some of the activist wing of our party, but there was one, I mean, there was a time in our history where the only way we could get legitimacy is through protest, and now we're beyond that. We have uh, a handful of states where it's legal, so many members of Congress who are looking at this, and just recently, you know, um, although we're recording this in early October, Michelle can talk about the specifics, but there were there's there's activists out there that believe that protest and going on to Capitol Hill and smoking marijuana on Capitol Hill and getting arrested is a way to uh, advocate. I totally disagree with that uh, because uh, this these when I worked on Capitol Hill, that's your job. You go to your job. We don't go to your house and protest and smoke marijuana and get arrested. And it happened this is past week. Um, and it's just something I don't think. 
I don't think moves the dial far enough. All it does is get members of Congress who are on the fence say, yeah, that's not what I want to be associated with. Mm, yes, thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's important. Um, sad but true, right? So uh, we only have about a minute or so left, so I want to mention our upcoming events. Um, at the end of October is our California Cannabis Business Conference in Anaheim, California. Um, and then in February 2019, we have moved our Seed to Sale Show conference from Denver to Boston. And of course, as listeners will probably start hearing this episode, our quarterly cannabis caucuses will have kicked off um, throughout the month of October in in six regions. So all that information's on our website. And I wanted to talk about lobby days, but we have run out of time. So I guess we'll just have to have you guys back on the show sometime soon so we can talk about how 2017 lobby days went, brag about all the new co-sponsors that we got, and and then talk about next year's lobby days. Uh, So Hopefully we'll have a, time to it, do that. It's, it's a great opportunity to maybe in the wintertime as it's getting closer to do another one as we're getting closer. That's wonderful. Sounds Let's save great. the date, though. End of May uh, 2019 will be our annual Lobby Days uh, fly-in. It'll be our ninth annual. Oh, That's goodness correct. gracious. Yep. All right. We're doing it. We're doing it. Okay. okay. Well, we have just run out of time. But thank you, Michael and Michelle, for taking time to talk with me today and to our audience. Um, So looking forward to chatting with you again. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.